We continue our story concerning Joseph, and I'm going to try to cover three chapters tonight. So uh, we're going to be on a flying trip. And what I'm going to do is just read the main points. I'm not going to read the scripture. Certainly the scripture is, is very, very important. But these points summarize the scripture. And uh, you're welcome to take these handouts and then look at them and make sure that the points indeed are substantiated by the scripture. But for the sake of time tonight, I'm just going to, to read the narratives. Uh, we don't have the um, pictures at the end that uh, Pastor Dave draws. That takes a, uh, an awful lot of time, and I gave him a reprieve because it would have taken about 30 pictures to draw three chapters. So I said, you know, why don't you forget it this week, and we'll pick up again next week. Because tonight is basically telling the story, and then I have a few applications at the end. So, where we left off last week is that the children of uh, Jacob had gone down uh, to see Joseph and to buy foodstuffs from uh, him. And when they came back, uh, they find out that their money is in their sack, and they are forlorn. Uh, and uh, so they need to return to uh, Egypt in order to free Simeon, although they anticipate that Simeon is dead at this point, uh, because they would be viewed as thieves and spies because the money is in their sack. And so Jacob is unwilling to let Benjamin go, and so time passes. And they run out of food. And as they run out of food, it's time to go back. And so, see, Judah offers to guarantee Benjamin's safety. Uh, Reuben had been ridiculous in that. If you remember last week, we talked about the fact how he said, if I don't bring uh, Benjamin back to you safely, you can kill my children. Well, what a, what a dumb thing to say. First of all, he had no power or control over it. And how would that bring any comfort to Jacob taking the lives of Reuben's children. But Judah says, if we don't bring Benjamin back, I'll stay in, in, in Benjamin's place. I'll take his punishment, as it were. And so, Judah, Jacob gives in and allows Benjamin to accompany his brothers. The brothers return to Joseph with gifts and double the money for payment. The brothers had an audience with Joseph while he was at work. And then, Joseph and his brothers uh, had, oh, excuse me, Joseph had his brothers brought into his house to have lunch with them. Now, Joseph is still at work, and the brothers are brought back to the house. H, the brothers were afraid when they were brought to Joseph's house and thought that they were going to be arrested because of the money that had been in their sacks. And so, Joseph's steward talks to the brothers at the door of Joseph's house. So they came near to Joseph's house steward and spoke to him at the entrance of the house. So Joseph is still at work, and now they have this conversation with the, with the uh, servant of Joseph. And Joseph's steward tells the brothers that he had the money all along, and so don't worry about it. It appears that Simeon was brought out of the house to his brothers since the steward is standing at the entrance to the house. However, it could be referring to bringing him out of, pre, out of prison. Um, if the text says, uh, oh, I'm trying to find that quickly. Uh, I'm not going to find it quickly, but it says that he brought, that, uh, he brought him out. 
And uh, that could be the house. That's the thing that's closest by. Or it could be prison. I kind of think it's house, but who knows? Uh, L. Joseph weeps when he sees his brother Benjamin. Joseph eats the meal separately from his brothers. And then the brothers are astonished that Joseph would know the order of their ages. They're eating separately, two, two different tables, as is the tradition that the Hebrews would not uh, eat with the Egyptians, although, of course, uh, Joseph's a, a Hebrew, but they don't know it yet. And so they were seated before him, the firstborn according to his birthright, and the youngest according to his youth, and the men looked at one another in astonishment. They're wondering how in the world Joseph would know the, the birth order of these brothers, that he would seat them in that proper fashion. So they're just kind of taken aback by that. Joseph has their money and his cup planted in their sacks. And the brothers travel together and are stopped by Joseph's officials. So they had come with twice as much money as they had come the first time. And Joseph sends them away with the foodstuffs, so the grain that they need. And he plants money and a cup in the sack of Benjamin. Q. The brothers state that they have not taken any money or Joseph's precious cup. They say if the money or cup is among them, then the person should die. The bags are searched, and the search reveals that the cup is in Benjamin's sack. They start with the oldest and work down to the youngest, and boom, there it is in Benjamin's sack. The brothers are brought back to Joseph's house and fall before him. Joseph comforts them about stealing the cup, uh, confronts them about stealing the cup and the money. Judah proclaims their guilt, not of stealing the cup, but presumably of selling Joseph into slavery. For notice Genesis 44:16. So Judah said, what can we say to my Lord? What can we speak? And how can we justify ourselves? God has found out the iniquity of your servants. Behold, we are my Lord's slaves, both we and the one in whose possession the cup has been found. He says we are guilty, not of stealing the cup and stealing the money. But he says, the Lord has found out our iniquity. He says, this is God's doing because we have sold our brother Joseph into slavery. Now, that's not all there, but that's what he's referring to. But what is interesting is he's exactly right. He's exactly right. That's why all this is happening. Because they had sold him into slavery. Uh, they understand the consequences. Now, not in the, the way that they anticipated, but it was true. Their sin that they had failed to confess, they had failed to repent of, was now being manifest. Uh, now it was coming to light. Now it was being revealed. And here's a, a really, really important lesson to be learned about forgiveness and reconciliation. And that is that unconfessed sin has a lingering effect in our lives. Unconfessed sin carries with it a load of guilt. Years have passed. At least 13 years have passed since Joseph was sold into slavery. And yet they still are thinking about that act. They still are recognizing what they had done. But up until this point, they weren't willing to confess it. They weren't willing to seek God's forgiveness in it all. But it was hanging over their heads. And so it was true. And we need to realize that we bear consequences. 
of sinful acts that we've committed years ago if we aren't repentant of them, if we don't really seek the forgiveness of God. They will linger. They will have ongoing effects in our relationships with other people and our relationship with God. We, we need to confess our sin. But if we do confess our sin, then we can be assured that those lingering effects have been removed. I shouldn't think that, that when evil happens to me today, that God is punishing me if I've confessed that sin and if I've repented. But if I haven't repented, I haven't confessed it, I can expect that there's going to be difficulty. I can expect there's going to be unpleasant circumstances. I can expect that there's going to be uh, a, a negative outcome. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. Moving on. Judah fulfills his commitment to Jacob as opposed to Reuben by offering to be imprisoned in Benjamin's place. Judah now appears to be genuinely concerned about his father's well-being. Over on page 7, verses 33 and 34. Now therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the lad, a slave to my Lord, and let the lad go with his brothers. For how shall I go up to my father if the lad is not with me, lest I see the evil that would overtake my father? Uh, Judah now seems to truly be concerned about his father's well-being. He made a commitment. He said, uh, I will stay in Benjamin's place if anything untoward takes place. And it had. And so he's following through. And he's saying, let me, take me and let Benjamin go. Because I don't know if my father is going to be able to live through this. I don't know if he's going to be able to take it if Benjamin doesn't return. This is the first time that Judah seems to care about his father and the pain of separating from his son. They had taken uh, Joseph away from his father and didn't think a thing about it. It didn't move them. It didn't pain them. It didn't upset them. They weren't concerned that their father would be grieved, that his favorite son would be removed from them. But now, knowing that Benjamin is the favorite there's so many ironies in this, this story. Whereas Joseph was the favorite, now Benjamin is the favorite. But they have such a different attitude towards Benjamin than they did Joseph. They're not jealous of Benjamin and his father's obvious love for him, which surpasses the love for the brothers. That doesn't excuse it. I'm just saying to you, what a shift has taken place in the relationships that exist within this family now, they are protective of Benjamin. When Joseph, they're not protective at all. They're in fact, just the opposite. They do him harm. So there is an incredible shift that is taking place in the relationship that exists between Joseph and his brothers and the brothers themselves. And so why? The brothers become acutely aware of their guilt before God for selling Joseph into slavery, the verse I already read in Genesis 44:16. So then quickly, let's look at this process of reconciliation which takes place. The act of Joseph revealing his true identity to his brothers. So now Joseph is going to tell them who he is. And this is going to bring about reconciliation. Note the process. First, this was a very emotional moment for Joseph. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried, Have everyone go out from me. So there was no man with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh 
heard of it. Uh, it became the talk of the town of the way in which Joseph came apart. And he wept. And he wept uncontrollably. And he wept loudly. Why did he weep in such a fashion? Uh, we could speculate. We could say it's happiness. We could say it's heartache. We could say it's forgiveness. Um, counselors have a, a, a term. Uh, it's called a cathartic experience. It really comes from the Greek to be cleansed. And a lot of times people just break down and weep. And it's, it's very cleansing. It, it's very helpful. It is just a release of all kinds of pent-up emotions. And I think that's what is happening in the life of Joseph. There are just so many conflicting emotions that affect him at this time. You know, here he is dealing with these brothers, these brothers who had hated him, but he does not hate them. The, 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 the joy of being reunited with them and the thought of seeing his father, the pain of all that's been gone through, you know, just all kinds of conflicting thoughts and emotions. And perhaps you've been there and you know that. And especially in situations where you're reconciling with somebody that has done you harm. That has done you uh, an injustice. And, and you find it to be a very emotional experience as you extend forgiveness to that person. So it is with Joseph. For the brothers, it was a scary time. Genesis 45.3 then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. The NAS translates this as dismayed. It's a word that means to be astonished or to be surprised or to be scared. And probably all of these things are wrapped up in this word. That they were surprised... Uh, here's Joseph. They certainly didn't expect that. They're amazed. How could this happen? How, how could their brother, who's been sold in bondage, be this person in charge? So they are amazed and they're scared out of their wits. What's he going to do to them because he sold them into bondage? So now there's all these mixed emotions that are flying around as they come to an awareness this is our brother. So what does Joseph do? Well, he comforts his brothers. Uh, Genesis 45.4. He says, please come closer to me. And they came closer. And he said, I'm your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And do not be grieved or angry with yourselves. He tells them how they should respond to this. And he's saying to them when he reveals himself to them, I, I don't want you to be grieved or angry. I don't want you to be upset. I want you to rejoice. I want you to be thankful. I want you to see the goodness of God. Now here's the proper motive in reconciliation. Joseph is not trying to get even with his brothers at all. 
I think that's a central theme to this story. Joseph never tries to pay his brothers back. All the negative stuff has been to lead them to a place of repentance. And when they are brought to a place of repentance, he has nothing but comfort and encouragement and a kind word towards them. This was a time for Joseph to instruct his brothers in the plan of God. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there will still uh, five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Now, therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. God sent me here. He recognized that God was in control. Now, he isn't at all excusing their behavior in the sense that he knows, as we'll get to Genesis chapter 50, and he says very clearly, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. He knows that, that they did it out of a desire to do evil, but he understood that God intended it for good. And that's what he focused on. He focused on the purpose of God and the sovereignty of God. And with that, then he was able to forgive his brothers. And then Genesis 45, verse 8, is a, another singular statement. Now, therefore, it was not, for, that was not you who sent me here, but God. And he, that is God, has made me a father to Pharaoh. He doesn't say a son to Pharaoh. He says a father to Pharaoh. That he became a father figure to the leader of Egypt. Pharaoh looked up to Joseph. Pharaoh sought Joseph's counsel. Pharaoh sought Joseph's advice. They had a familial relationship, but one not where Pharaoh's in charge and Joseph's the son, but Joseph's in charge and Pharaoh's the son. I've become a father to Joseph, uh, to, to Pharaoh. And that's why Pharaoh then wants to help uh, Joseph's family. F. Uh, e, this was a time for Joseph to take care of his family. F, this was a time for Joseph to demonstrate his forgiveness toward his brothers. And he kissed all his brothers and wept on them. And then, verse 15, the second half of this verse, again is striking. And afterward, his brothers talked with him. And that might not sound like a big deal, but if you remember early on in the story, when Joseph is back home and the father has given him a coat of many colors and it's obvious that the father uh, loved him more than he loved his brothers, there's a statement in that passage that says, and his brothers could not speak a word to him. They could not speak kindly to him. And then we have this simple statement. His brothers talked to him. There is a relationship that is begun with the brothers that was better than anything they ever had when Joseph was living at home. Now, they recognized his kindness. Now they recognized his goodness. Now they recognized their indebtedness to him. Their view of Joseph now was entirely different from their view of Joseph before all this took place. But you see, that's one of the blessings of reconciliation as well. 
When, when we extend forgiveness to people and don't make them pay for the, the hurt and the heartache they have caused us, it really makes people view us in a different light. It really does enable us to be at peace with those that beforehand would not be at peace with us. Uh, it melts hard hearts. It brings about a wonderful transformation. H. This was a time for Joseph to mediate between his brothers. So, he sent his brothers away to go back and get their father and all this. He says, come back, come back. And as they departed, he said to them, do not quarrel on the journey. Don't start pointing the finger on the way home and say, it's your fault that we sold Joseph into bondage. You know, I, I really wasn't for this. I remember what you said, and, and, and you were the person who dropped him in the pit, not me. And he didn't want any of that bickering. That wasn't the place. It wasn't the time. It wasn't the proper response. He said, I don't want you to fight over what you did. I want this to bring us closer, not farther apart. And this was a time for the brothers to be honest with their father. Uh, Five just quick notes in closing. Conclusion. What do we learn about reconciliation from this passage? You don't have them in front of you. Um, I'll just give them to you. It's under a conclusion. What do we learn about reconciliation from this passage? Five things. First, it takes time. It takes time. All of this shenanigans about putting money in the sacks and so on that we've talked about the last few weeks, all are preparatory to bring them to a place where they are ready to accept the guilt of what they have done. You think about David. It's over a year before David is willing to confess his sin with Bathsheba and uh, the murderer of Uriah the Hittite. It's over a year that Nathan finally comes and says to David, Thou art the man. It takes time. It takes time. Reconciliation doesn't happen overnight. It takes patience. It takes a spirit of long-suffering. It takes a willingness to put up and, and to bear grief and heartache and sorrow. Reconciliation is a long, slow process. So we have to be people that are long-suffering in order to bring about reconciliation with others. Secondly, It is contingent upon the confession of sin. It's not until the brothers are willing to deal with their sinfulness that this reconciliation can ultimately and finally take place. Thirdly, it's a scary proposition for those who are on the side that need to be reconciled. Uh, you need to understand that. As, as, as we try to make restitution, as we try to make things right with other people, as, as we are desirous of welcoming people back into our lives that have hurt us, it's a scary proposition for them. Because they really don't know what they're going to face. They really don't know what we're going to do, what we're going to say, um, how we're going to react, what we're going to do. And there is nothing better than what, what Joseph could do. Weep. Weep. That was his response. Just to weep 
on their neck. Just to show them how desperately and how greatly he longed for a relationship to them. Uh, There is nothing like tears in a reconciliation process to bring healing and help. Fourth, it is a process of restoration of a relationship. Uh, The story doesn't end. We're going to continue on. And there's more work that needs to be done between Joseph and his brothers in this whole aspect of, of restoration. So we'll see that. And then lastly, it is foundational to the well-being of all concerned. Um, the reason that all is going to go well is because of this reconciliation process. Uh, it is more than just the fact that they get food. If the brothers weren't reconciled, there would have been a lot of misery and hardship and difficulty down the road. In order for blessings to come, it's foundational to reconciliation. In our families, in our homes, between spouses, children and parents, you've got to be able to get that stuff behind you. If you're going to be in a place of real healing and a place to really experience the blessing and the bounty of God. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your word and uh, we just ask you would help us in our relationships uh, to bring honor and glory to you for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. And you are dismissed.